Welcome to Hola y Aloha. We're the voice for the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce here in Hawaii. We work hard to be a resource for the Latino community um, by offering bi-weekly podcasts, our show, Hola y Aloha, welcome. And we also have bi-monthly Buenos Dias Breakfast Networking events. So please join us at those. And we also offer a weekly newsletter also named Hola y Aloha. So my name is Barbara Salazar DeLuca, president. And my lovely co-host is Marisol Ruiz. Hola, my name is Marisol, and I am the vice president and, as she said, co-host of our fabulous talk show. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> um, we're really excited about today. And, you know, one of the things that we offer, she was mentioning, is our Buenos Dias breakfast. And uh, it's an opportunity for us to network. And we're so excited because from the event that we had last time, we had an awesome opportunity to meet our current guest. Uh, his name is Eric Madden. Uh, he's the Education and Training Program Manager at Ho'olau Nepua. Um, and for those of you that don't know uh, Ho'olau Nepua, um, it actually means new life for our children. And it's an organization that was founded to shine light on the dark criminal enterprise of sex trafficking. Uh, they are committed to the prevention of sex trafficking and providing care for children who have been exploited. We are so excited to have Eric Madden here with us. And if you can please share with us a little bit about yourself, Eric, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, so thank you so much. I, you know, I kind of just fell into coming to that breakfast and I loved every moment of it. It was great. I enjoyed the presentation um, by the gentleman that was teaching self-defense. And um, yeah, so thank you all so much for having me here today, having me be able to speak on behalf of Ho'onapua. Uh, in regards to trafficking and what that looks like here in Hawaii. Um, a little bit about my background. I've been in Hawaii now for roughly about or, or just over five years now. And uh, I moved here um, working with developmental disabilities. Um, that's where I've been in the last 12 years. Um, but I really felt a pull towards this organization and their work that they do here. Um, and that's kind of what I've what I've really enjoyed doing over the last couple of years. Um, what I get to do is I really get to go out and spread awareness and spread um, truth behind what sex trafficking is and what CSEC really is. Um, when I say CSEC, I'm referring to commercial sexual exploitation of children. And that's what we focus on highly as an organization. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm super excited to share with it, um, share about it, share what it looks like here in Hawaii and how we can be protected as a community as well as identify some of those risk factors or vulnerabilities that maybe we can start to identify so that we're not going down these paths of being vulnerable and being exploited in, in different pathways. Eric, that's so interesting that you said you have experience working with the Developmental Disabilities Department. I have a daughter who just turned 19 um, mm -hmm. over the weekend, and she does have an intellectual disability. Um, she was born with a brain, um, you know, um, brain damage, basically, due to birth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. complications um yeah. so anyhow uh you know i i have a major concern with um csec um the exploitation of children especially since she you know has issues with communication um the yeah. school last week i dropped her off at school she was running late and they called me while i was in my gym class and let me know that she wasn't in her classroom and right away i just i panicked because i thought maybe she tried walking home on her own because she's 19 yeah. now and yeah. she wants to be um independent so yeah. so yeah. by the time i got in the car they called me and said they found her she was just hiding in the girl's bathroom she didn't feel like going to class but uh, all these things raced through my mind right away you yeah. know 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, why don't let's talk about some of the protective factors. And Yeah, absolutely. So the protective factors are really going to be knowledge, really good. Like we truly believe that just understanding and knowledge is key. Um, if we can get out there what trafficking looks like and what it truly is versus some of these myths or some of these ideas that we when we think of trafficking, we think of, you know, maybe we think of kidnapping or stranger danger and things like that. Um, but if we can look at it from a statistic standpoint of what we truly know of as sex trafficking and CSEC, um, then that protection and that knowledge is key. That's going to be the number one most protective factor that um, anybody out there can have is just understanding the law, understanding their rights and understanding what it looks like. Um, also, you know, just understanding, understanding those vulnerabilities, what they are, um, knowing that when you're out, when you're putting yourself out there, um, there's people with bad intentions that can exploit later. So um, understanding what those vulnerabilities are, recognizing them, um, you know, recognizing them in yourself so you know I'm protected. I'm, I'm, I, that, I'm not vulnerable in that situation. I, I have protection. I know I can call somebody. I know I can talk to somebody. Also, one of the most important things for our youth, 19-year-olds, um, 16-year-olds, whatever this case may be, is understanding what healthy relationships are. A lot of our kids these days don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. So maybe they've grown up in like a in a broken home where they only see unhealthy relationships. So mm -hmm. that's what they associate is as okay. It's okay to be in this situation because you're protected, you're you're loved for, you have a place to go home, you have things like that. So a lot of our youth that are seeking those relationships, they need to understand what protective factors are um, and what healthy relationships are. Um, also, one of the biggest things that we can do as parents um, is talking about it, talking and sharing and just asking questions. Um, you know, I, I have a two-year-old and, and a 16-year-old that lives in the house and always on gaming systems, always online. Um, so we really need to just have conversations, have an open conversation at dinner. Has anyone ever asked you where you go to school or has anyone ever like just fished for information that you really don't know this person? Having open conversation is a big protective factor. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later about online safety um, and yeah. being safe online is a big one. Everybody is online. Everybody um, engages with the Internet every single day, multiple hours a day. So we really need to you know, practice uh, being safe online. And then I think what we all can do, whether it's um, trafficking or any situation, is just practicing self-care. Um, self-regulation and just practicing loving yourself so that you're not at risk for seeking that inappropriate or that, um, you know, that other relationship out outwardsly that's, that's feeding your self-regulation. Um, and then, you know, we have programs such as having a mentor. If you're at risk for, um, you know, if you're at risk or you have vulnerabilities, um, you can set up a mentor where somebody, a trusted adult that has gone through a well-vetted training uh, situation will be that mentor for you. Um, so those are all good protective factors, as well as, you know, just having your basic needs met, having a place to sleep and a place to stay and food and all those things. I think it's interesting how you um, mentioned the healthy relationship and the fact that a lot of our children are online. I mean, when I get my notices on my phone, it says I've been online for eight hours. You know, that's my average. for one yeah. week. Wow. Yeah. And I'm trying to cut back. But, yeah. um, as far as knowing what a a healthy relationship is and and those boundaries i feel like since our children are online so much they don't have those communication skills in person mm -hmm. 
they're used to texting and, and sending instant messages and not necessarily being engaging and having a, just a yeah. you know organic conversation with with yeah. their peers because it's just yeah. it's a different it's a era different we're living in <laughs> yeah it's a different world that's for sure uh -huh. yeah absolutely um so yeah just teaching you know te i mean there's no way around relationships online that's where most of it all happened but we really need to start to identify if if they ask for photos and you know you feel like maybe you sent one and then they're starting to ask for more and more and more then we need to have those conversations um that that's that's getting to unhealthy or controlling don't go here don't go do that um controlling the activities that you do or the people that you hang out with or um monitoring your you know where you're at all the time things like that are i you know are good factors or good emblems of a unhealthy relationship and now isn't that exactly i think i mean i i don't know but the the reason why i mean it starts real small right just yeah. oh one little picture here or you yeah. know maybe a, a a discussion goes one way and you know it's just you start off small and and i feel like uh, people are groomed into certain positions whether mm -hmm. it's you know sex trafficking or physical abuse or yeah. anything like that right so I don't know if any we really see it right away right until it's like we've kind of gone down that rabbit hole so you talked about i mean i have like a thousand questions for you but one of the one of the things um it starts with education and communication and i wholeheartedly believe that i have two young children myself and yeah. my my biggest fear in life is that something like that would ever happen to them because you cannot undo something yeah. like that once it's done i mean it's it, it's done and yeah. and and I fiercely try and protect them from from anything like that. So dialogue is important. So it starts at home, right? But is there anything that maybe Ho'olau Napua or any other organizations? Because our children spend mo most of the time at school, right? They're there six to eight hours. Yeah. Um, and is there anything that we're maybe trying to do or implement at the school level that has these little classes maybe? I mean, I remember I had sex education, like I think it was like third grade or something. I don't know, yeah. it was a while ago. But something like that, that's talking about relationships and friendships and what's yep. healthy, what isn't. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's kind of right in my wheelhouse is the education and training. So we are in schools quite a bit. Um, unfortunately, we are not at that age that at that young age where maybe third, fourth, fifth grade really needs to hit it. We do have a curriculum that is fifth grade based, which is called C for um or cell for cell for shell, S-E-L for shell, S-E-L stands for social emotional learning. And it is a 12 week um, educational based program that the teacher takes on and teaches the youth about all those things, about healthy relationships, about engagement, about communication, about just that social emotional learning, how to learn from your, your own emotions um, and how to take all that, all that information in. So that is a great program that it starts at fifth grade. Um, and then other than that, we do um, we do school-based programs all the way from middle school all the way up to high school. Um, we're, we're typically partnered with the health class um, when they start talking about reproductive systems and health and, and things like that. Um, and then we kind of come in on, on whenever the timing fits um, to where we can um, educate the youth on what trafficking really looks like. So we have we tailor those to the audience, we tailor those to the, to the students, obviously. We teach the seniors very much different than we teach the seventh graders, um, but it really is getting into the schools and getting into um, those classrooms to be able to teach the kids um, what what we need to do to stay protected and what we need to do to have those healthy 
connections, healthy relationships. Absolutely. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something, Barbara? Well, I, I'm curious. What are the majority of cases that we see in Hawaii? Is, is our state different in any way than the mainland? Or um, yes. Yeah, so our state is pretty unique in itself. Um, we do have some studies that were done over the last four years with Arizona State University alongside the Hawaii State Commission on the Status of Women to be able to give us some of those numbers. Um, and some of those numbers that makes our state unique is one, the average age in Hawaii is 11.3 years old for the first time of exploitation. The national average is 14. Also, one of the numbers that is really hard to swallow is 84% of cases the relationship to the trafficker was a family member, a friend, or a romantic interest. So that is also unique to um, Hawaii as well. So we see a younger age in Hawaii, as well as we see more cases that are by family members or close friends or romantic interest. I, I Can I ask something else? Sorry. So, I, I yeah, I can't even wrap my head around that. I, it's it's really difficult to even yeah. like. It's pretty heartbreaking, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let me kind of take it a little bit more basic. So can you, for, like you said earlier, a lot of us, we have a certain image or vision of what sex trafficking is or isn't. Can you just share with us just by sex, sex trafficking and CSEC, yeah. please? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's important that we do understand the, the, the definitions of sex trafficking. One, because sex trafficking is a federal definition, so, and Hawaii has adopted that federal law. So even in Hawaii, the age of consent, we know the age of consent here is 16, uh, whereas federally, the age of consent is 18. However, under this federal definition, 18 is, is the cutoff. So what it is, is it's a broad definition. Um, it involves seven factors, which is uh, harboring, recruitment, um, solicitation, um, uh, transportation, provision, obtaining, and patronizing. And then if any of those are in place and if there is force, fraud or coercion and you're over the age of 18, then that is sex trafficking. So if you're having to do a commercial sex act, which means something, a sexual act, that there's some sort of value involved in that. And you're doing that over the age of 18. And if there's force, fraud or coercion, you're protected. So we think about maybe adults that are in um, pornography or um, strip clubs and things like that even if they're over the age of 18 and they can consent to that, but they're being lied to or they're being forced into doing that, that person that is doing that sexual act is protected under this federal law. If you're under the age of 18, you also have rights under this definition as well, because if you're under the age of 18, there is no questions asked. You don't need to show force, fraud, or coercion, which a lot of our youth don't understand. So maybe it's that they sent a photo and they're 16 years old, they felt like they're the victim. However, if they're not the victim because it was the person that used that photo against them. Um, so they need to understand that, that that they're protected under this federal law, even if they could consent to that of uh, being, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old, they're protected under that law. Um, and then um, the other factors, the harboring, transportation, all that, um, those just show how broad it is. So if you're being held in a room or if you're being driven from place to place or you're being asked or requested, um, you know, you're not at fault for that as well. And then CSEC, which is commercial sexual exploitation of children. What that looks like is really any, sex, any sexual act plus anything of value. And under CSEC, we don't get to determine that thing of value. 
unfortunately here in Hawaii with the with our age being so young oftentimes it's not that 10 11 12 year old that's getting that value it's maybe the family member it's the friend it's a romantic interest that is getting whatever that value is whether that's drugs or alcohol or money or whatever it is the child might not be getting that um, but they're protected under this law because there's something of value being received for any sexual act so when we look at csec that's any sexual act plus anything of value and anything of value determines by that person um, kind of getting into the weeds about like online a lot of our youth really are seeking that um, influencer status right so someone can come along and say hey you know if you send me these photos or you do this or that i'll get you that blue check mark by your instagram page you know i, I promise i'll get you that and that holds value even though it's not money or something tangible um, you know they're striving for that and they don't even have to get there it could just be a promise of getting that 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 piece of value as well so understanding the definition is key understanding what they look like understanding that it's federal and then understanding what your rights are um, really helps our youth be protected and what does that look like here in hawaii because i know I, we had a conversation after the buenos dias breakfast yeah. and i was just you're in tears. I, I mean i i was just blown away at at what we were talking about remember we, with the um the um in the hotel how you you'd give an yeah. example how I, i'd like if you could maybe touch yeah. a little bit on that and um because i myself personally have been in situations where uh i seen something and it didn't feel right but i didn't yeah. say anything and yeah. then after the conversation i had with you now i'm like all over it because yeah. and so if you could touch on that a little bit for for those yeah. of you who are curious <laughs> yeah absolutely so what it looks like here in hawaii and kind of going back um real quick you know we talked about our research so we did research a four-part study research um the four-part study looked at buyers it looked at the, the stories from the survivors it looked at the experiences across Hawaii. And then the fourth study, which was just completed in 2022, looked at the, um, the exploitation amongst the homeless population on Hawaii Island. Um, so here in Hawaii, we had, we had more buyers than, than you can imagine. We had 407 buyers for our one ad that we posted on a website in, within 24 hours. Um, so the amount of buyers that we have here in Hawaii is insane. Uh, we did the same study um, in a few other cities, and one of them was Phoenix, and they compared to us by only 45 buyers. So Hawaii had 407, and Phoenix only had 45, um, and it was kind of it was conducted the exact same way. So we can see that there's a large amount of buyers. Unfortunately, in Hawaii, we also see that we have that that low number of 11. Um, and then, so when we did the research and we talked to the experiences across Hawaii, we surveyed. 363 individuals. It is important to note that these individuals were at-risk youth. They were part of child family services. So they already had, they already had some risk factors going against them. Um, and the ages range from five to, I want to say 55. Um, and so we surveyed them, we asked them, we talked to them. Um, the average age came out to about 11.3. And then the amount was about one in three. So one in three of those 363 individuals had experienced trafficking. So the number is extremely high as far as percentages here in Hawaii. Also, when we, and kind of going back to what you mentioned, when we talked to them, nobody offered any of those individuals support. So they just, maybe they had that gut feeling, but they never went up and talked to them. Um, I had the opportunity to speak with a guy um, at one of our events and he was a, he was a pilot. 
And he said, you know, he said, I don't feel comfortable like walking up and talking to these people. I feel like it's, I feel like they're in a situation, but I don't feel comfortable doing it. Um, and that's, it's a tough thing to go down. It's a tough road to cross. It's a tough conversation to bring up. Um, but what I encourage him and I encourage anybody listening to do is just have something that they can offer them or just ask them if they're okay, or just ask them if they need something or if they, um, if they, if they need anything. Um, we have a whole bunch of stickers at our organization that have our, our logo and our, our name on it. Um, and to somebody, it might just be a sticker, but to somebody that truly needs it, they'll look at that sticker, look up our name, um, Google Holnapua, and be able to be able to realize that someone noticed them and someone cared about them. Uh, we did a presentation at a hotel and the hotel management, um, they were like, oh, yeah, we've seen that, but we didn't know we could ask or we didn't know we could talk to them. Um, and a lot of times these women and boys that have been exploited, they get overlooked and they get passed by. Um, and that's going to be the, one of the hardest things, because if they got passed by by, by so many people, the chances of them kind of reaching out to anybody is just lessening and lessening as time goes on because they feel like they're not seen. They feel like they're not going to be heard. Um, so we can definitely make that make that choice to offer support when we see it. Is there a, a code or a sign that you can use if you're in you need help and you're in danger? Um, there's numbers. I don't know. There's not necessarily a code or a sign. Um, like sign language would be great if you could just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really have that one. I mean, we have numbers, but as far as right. like a code or a sign language, I would, it's really just, it's really just that gut feeling and that look on that person. Um, yeah. There's obviously some red flags that we can look at. Um, uh -huh. Some of the red flags could be such things as, um, you know, the situation that they're in or the clothes that they're wearing, or, you know, if we see a, a, a youth that looks, 12 years old and they're done up like they're 25 and they're with somebody that is way older than them. Um, you know, that's something that we can look at. Uh, second cell phones are often a, re a red flag because the trafficker has given them a second cell phone to communicate through. Um, signs of physical or sexual abuse are a big one that we can look at. You know, we can kind of see those from the outside looking in. Um, and uh, yeah, and then just Really just kind of like engaging it and taking that gut feeling is going to be one of your main protected, one of your main sources to figure that, figure it out. Um, you know, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Marisol. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I think, I think, I think a lot of people, I mean, because once you go back or in retrospect, I think we, we do, we instinctively, like we, we, ha we know when something yeah. is off. Yeah. And I think it's really great that right now, even like you said, if there's a sticker or something, because I wouldn't even know what to say to somebody like I, I mean, I, w I was in Minnesota and there was uh, these little, I knew something was funny. I mean, but they were, you know, happy shopping, very little older than I looked a lot older than, than what they were with this gentleman that looked way out of, I mean, it yeah. just, it was like yeah. textbook. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know, like, do I even say anything? Yeah. Do I not? What questions do I ask? Like, what if, you know, I get looked at crazy. I, I just didn't know what to do. Right. So even here in Hawaii, something like that, like yeah. the sticker, here's a number or, you know, is everything okay? Cause yeah. what did you say out of all those people that, uh, three out of 363 out of the, out of like the 26.7% that I experienced trafficking, none of, nobody said that they were offered support. Not one person. Yeah, not, I mean, that's outrageous, but yeah. probably there were people that in their mind wanted to say, but they didn't know what to say or ask, yeah. right? What do you do? And it yeah. could be something as simple as, do you need help? Yeah. Is everything okay? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
That's yeah. really sorry. That's all I wanted to kind of <laughs> say about that. But I feel a little bit more courageous now, right? Like, okay, there's I might not be able to physically help you, but I can maybe point you somewhere else or just even give that, you know, we all want to feel seen, right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to be Absolutely. in the shadows. And I think that, you know, over time, if that continues, you just get completely discouraged and deflated. And then, and then, yeah, you, then you don't seek the help because why would you? Nobody even knows you're there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, real quick. When you say trafficking, I, I just didn't realize it was so prevalent in Hawaii because being from Arizona, you see a lot of um, missing children. And I assume, mm-hmm. you know, trafficking means they've taken them to across the border to Mexico or something, but in Hawaii, we're on an island and it's kind of hard to traffic somebody and take them off the island. Um, but I mean, unless like the pilot said, you know, I, I travel with my children and they don't require ID if you're under 18. So I think it might be easy to get them off. But yeah. sounds like there's a lot of it just going on here without ha- even having to leave. I, I don't know. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know. And that is one of the big myths is that that crossing borders things. Most cases, uh-huh. like 75 percent of cases are domestic, meaning they stay within the state. They don't cross borders. So most of the cases that are here in Hawaii happen here in Hawaii, started here in Hawaii, continue to happen here in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is is there um, like a a social media or public page that you can post it? If you know, like I, I, my dog went missing, (laughs) I I posted it on stolen stuff Hawaii and there's like a hundred thousand followers on there. And I got all kinds of people that, you know, I found my dog. So I don't yeah. know. I'm not comparing a dog to a child ever, but I'm yeah. just saying there's somewhere we can, you know, I post mean, we do have those missing and endangered children's um, pictures that you see up at up at stores. Um, mm-hmm. We do have those, um, but as far as like that, that's a great point. There should be something like that. Uh, yeah, very- I mean, sure. w- would it be hard to get a social media page where people could go? You could post their pictures, so if you see them anywhere, like. I see them randomly, but if it was one place where I could go, I think it'd be great. Or is it just harder to do because they're underage? A lot of it might be the underage factor as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have, um, we're, we're going to wrap up the show. It goes by so fast. So we only have half an hour. <laughs> yeah, so is, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Uh, the only thing else that I would love to cover, um, you know, really reach out to me if you guys, if anyone wants trainings or wants presentation. I mean, this is just, this is just scratching the surface. There's so much more. So um, you have my contact information, um, look up our organization. Um, we do free presentations, free customized presentations to anybody, um, anybody, anywhere, not just here in Hawaii, but any island and any place. Yeah. Um, um, Eric, you had also mentioned at our uh, breakfast, uh, you have like a training program, though, right? If somebody wanted to, uh, within Ho'olaunapua, um, uh, become a mentor, like a mentor. Yes. Can yeah. you touch a little bit on that? Because I think yeah, it's absolutely. So we have um, we have a mentorship program um, that is a one on one mentorship program that does a, a very much in-depth vetted training. Um, so anyone that's over the 21 that would like to be a mentor for anybody that is age range from uh, 9 to 24, um, they are welcome to join us and become a mentor. We need mentors. No questions about it. We need we need male mentors. We need female mentors. We let the mentee choose the mentor that they want. Um, so we need we need a large pool to pick from to be able to meet those needs. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Eric. Um... So we, you know, thank you for your time. And we have an upcoming show. Our next one is June eighth, and okay. it's going to be 
with um, Ruben Juarez. He's uh, a board member and he's also, you know, the heads out this um, organization called H-I-S-E-E-D, Heisties, um, Restoring okay. Health Equity in Hawaii. So that's our okay. next show. But awesome. I do want to thank you for your time today yeah. and for joining yeah. us. Yeah, no, thank you very much. It's We'd great. like to have you back because, like you said, we bear. I mean, we just like barely scratch yeah. <laughs> that surface. I'm. Yeah. We can yeah. get down. It's so much it. more. Yeah. Yeah, we'd sure. love to have you back. Yeah, definitely. Or, or maybe Anytime. we can do a breakfast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would. Yeah, definitely would do a breakfast with you guys. That that'd be great. Awesome. All right, and thank you, Mighty Soul, for joining us. Yeah. And um, thank, thank you to our you. viewers for joining us here on Think Tech Hawaii, and uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Yeah, right. make sure you tell all your friends. I'm Barbara DeLuca and um, adios and aloha, everybody. Thank you. Adios, aloha. Aloha. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.